Well, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is James. For those of you that don't know me, I'm the student pastor here. Uh, but before we get started, I want to remind you guys that it is officially Christmas season, unless you started like me the day after Halloween, blasting all I want for Christmas. Anyways, uh, we are having off-site Christmas Eve services this year with limited space, so please go to our website, sign up, uh, and register so we can know whether we need to make more services available or not. Uh, one other thing that we are doing today is the Christmas tree stars out in the lobby. I saw some of you guys grabbing those already. You guys know what they're for. Uh, but that, those stars are uh, people uh, that have come to Fairhaven Crisis Center. If you guys don't know what that is, it's one of the missions that we support. Um, they're great. Um, but take one of those stars, do some shopping, and return those in a few weeks. Um, and that is today. Uh, so the last two weeks, we've been talking about what it looks like to re-engage the joy of our mission. Right? We've talked about the little C church being grace and the big C church and how we both have our problems, how we've both had to adapt, be flexible, and adjust to what this year has been. Uh, for us, we introduced a new logo two weeks ago. Uh, I'm super excited about that. And we wanted something uh, to represent our mission of connecting people to God, his church, and his world. And I think the logo does that perfectly. And I hope when you see it, uh, that it's a tangible reminder that you are playing a role in that mission of connecting people to Jesus. I want to open up with this quote uh, for Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, many of you guys have heard his name if you've been in the church for any amount of time. Um, but he, if you don't know who he is, you should look him up. Uh, he was an author, a pastor, and he stood against the Nazi regime in the 1940s. But while being held in a concentration camp, being held in prison, uh, for plotting to kill Hitler, he wrote this in a letter talking about the church. He said, the church is only the church when it exists for others. The church is only the church when it exists for others. I think that's such a profound statement uh, for a person that was facing certain death. I don't know if many of us, myself included, would have been talking about the church while waiting to be executed. Well, today is the, is the last day in this series called Re-Engage, and today we're going to look at what it means to re-engage the joy of our mission with serving with our gifts. Now, I'm not going to end this message with a convicting message about how you need to do more or sign up today and blah, 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 blah. But today I want us to re-engage the why behind why we serve. Uh, Pastor Tim kicked us off two weeks ago and if you call Grace home, you need to go look back and look at those uh, because they set up exactly what I'm going to talk about today. And that quote from Bonhoeffer is exactly what started this church. It's exactly what this church is still about. And it's exactly what this church will always be about. We always have been, still are, and will always be about connecting others to find Jesus. The church is a unique organization. Uh, many of you guys serve here, and we couldn't do what we do without each and every person that gives their time, their energy, their resources uh, to this church. The stage design, the sound, the music, the online streaming, uh, all the events, all the people that have been reached for Jesus, all of it happens because the church is one of the only places that exists for other people and not itself. This place we call grace exists because of Jesus and people not knowing who Jesus is. It doesn't exist because of Pastor Tim, it doesn't exist because of the elders. It doesn't exist because of anyone else. It exists because people 
called Jesus Lord and Savior and for the people that don't know him. We exist to connect people to God, his church, and his world. And one of the best ways I can think about how we fulfill that mission is through serving. No matter what capacity you serve in here at Grace or have served in the past, uh, I want to say thank you. I know that no amount of, of me saying thank you could ever do justice to the, to the time and energy that you've put in uh, to Grace Fellowship, but, but I say thank you. <laughs> I know this year has been especially difficult for all of us, and I wanted to encourage us today. I want us to be refined. I want us to, be, uh, to rekindle that fire that we had in March before we shut down. And I want us to re-engage the joy in serving in our mission. Well, how do we do that? The first thing you have to do is listen for your mission. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, Now there are, variety, or are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation for the common good. I want to put this into some context for you. In chapter 1, verse 10, uh, Paul wrote, I now appeal to you, brothers and sisters, that there be no divisions among you, be united in the same mind and the same purpose. So this passage uh, in chapter 12, while talking about our individual gifts uh, that are given from God, uh, 1 Corinthians is ultimately addressing the topic about divisions amongst community. Sounds eerily familiar. The church in Corinth was dividing itself according to whose teachings they were listening to and the gifts that each person held. And Paul, in this section of the letter, is urging them to get back to serving one another for what he referred to as the common good in chapter 12, verse 7. The church uh, back then is no more divided than it is today. Uh, we still follow uh, the voice of man or a political party or a celebrity or a favorite news outlet or maybe a pastor. But that's not what I want to focus on today. I want us to get a grasp for how our spiritual and physical giftings are actually a call to unify the church and bring people closer to Jesus. And here's the thing about all of us. Uh, we all have the same mission here. Reaching people in the name of Jesus and bringing them into a relationship with him. That's what Pastor Tim referred to last week when he said we all have a collective responsibility after we make an individual confession. We all have the same mission, but we all have different gifts from God. And that's what I love about following Jesus. Uh, he gives us this end goal of spreading the gospel, baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and then gives us each individual giftings and talents to fulfill that mission. We collectively as individuals need to understand our own giftings that God has given us in order to collectively accomplish the mission. We can all agree uh, that Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. That is God-given talent. <laughs> the man worked harder, and that's what made him great. Even if he didn't work hard, he could have easily been a top 25 player of all time. That's talent. <laughs> but you and I know all too well that baseball was not his God-given talent. Have you ever tried doing something that was not meant for you? Mine is unashamedly uh, singing. No matter how much I love music, no matter how good I think I am, 
no matter how much I convince Tacey that I am good at singing, I am not good at singing. If I was your worship pastor, you would ask, how in the world did he get hired? And I could spend hours and days and hours trying to get better and get exhausted by practicing and maybe get a little bit better, but singing is not my natural gifting. It's obviously not what God had for me. And isn't that what we do sometimes, though? We spend hours or hours, maybe years, thinking that God uh, has gifted us in this way, maybe to realize that that's not our actual gifting. When we don't know our giftings, we wear ourselves out trying to do things for God that he never intended us to do. That's why we need to listen for our giftings. Each one of us has been uniquely designed with gifts and talents, both tangible talents and gifts of the Spirit, for one reason, the same reason, to spread the gospel. But how do we listen for our mission and our giftings? Well, God will give it to you, and people will reaffirm it. I'll share a little bit about my calling into ministry with you. Uh, Some of you guys know I got my undergraduate degree uh, not from a Bible college. (laughs) I actually got a marketing degree from a pretty secular university in Southwest Ohio. I had every intention of going to grad school, getting a law degree, uh, becoming a sports agent, living in the limelight with athletes, traveling, making great money. Obviously, God had other plans for me, which is why I'm here. When I started following Jesus, Uh, I knew right away that that was not going to be the life that God had for me. But I had no idea what he wanted me to do. I knew I loved people, and I wanted people to hear the message of Jesus, and that was about it. Then I started leading a Bible study about six months after following Jesus, uh, which which at the time I felt super unqualified for, uh, and I can't believe someone would ever let me lead in that capacity. Uh, But hear me when I say I felt unqualified. Uh, because we all do at some point feel unqualified, because we all are. Uh, Long story short, uh, I was at a conference in 2015, and I heard a guy uh, speaking, one of the speakers, and I felt this overwhelming sense um, from the Spirit saying to me, this is what I have for you. I had no idea what that meant uh, until I started talking to a friend a few hours later, and I told him what I'd heard, or what I thought I'd heard. (laughs) And in the most serious voice I had ever heard my friend speak in, he said, I was about to tell you I heard the same thing for you. He was reaffirming what I had heard from God earlier. See, I had been praying to God for some time about what was next because I had no idea what in the world I was doing. What was my calling? What was my purpose? What are my gifts? And I finally felt like I had a clue into what I was supposed to do. And then other people, not just this one time, came around me reaffirming that call into ministry. Not everyone's call is going to be into ministry, but listen to what people are reaffirming in you and what your gifts and talents are. How do you listen for your mission? God will give it to you and people will reaffirm it. But if we aren't listening to God and asking God to show us our giftings and our mission, we will never grow in our giftings for what Paul calls the common good. The common good being the mission of the church. See, our gifts are not for ourselves and our own glory. They are for others and the church. So we've we've taken the time. We asked God. Others saw it in us. They reaffirmed it. And we sort of know what our giftings are now. Well, now we actually need to live on mission. Well, what does it look like to live on mission Uh, Well, that's the easy answer is using your gifts 
to serve God, to reach people for Jesus. A few weeks ago, we as a church did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I hope that was beneficial to you. I hope you grew in your relationship with God. I hope you got to see some faces that maybe you didn't know before. Uh, But one of the ladies shared how she changed her mindset of having to do something to getting to do something. And I think that mindset is so valuable when it comes to living on mission. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're supposed to do as Jesus followers. We're supposed to use our gifts and talents and our blessings. But God wants more for us than he wants from us. He wants us to have joy while serving him. He doesn't want us to be mindless drones that just do these actions. He wants us to have joy in serving him. I think living on mission has to do more with our source of joy than it does our gifts. Each one of us has different gifts, but all of our joy comes from the same place. And when I say joy, I don't mean happiness because happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is actually a state of being. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. John 16, 24, Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive it, that your joy may be full. God wants you to be joyful when serving him, serving him and asking for things in his name. Living on mission takes both knowing your gifts and knowing where your joy for living on mission comes from. So where does your joy come from? Simply put, your source of, the, of joy is the gospel. But what happens when we replace uh, joy for happiness or obligation or a have-tos? What happens when we don't find that joy in the gospel? What happens when we, when we get that feeling of burnout or tiredness or fatigue or 2020? <laughs> because to be completely frank with you, that's exactly what this year has been for many of us, finding our true joy. When everything else is stripped away, what's left? In his book, uh, simply called Gospel, J.D. Greer poses this question. Is the gospel really missing? And if so, where did it go? He goes on to say, the gospel is not just supposed to be our ticket into heaven. It is supposed to be an entirely new basis for how we relate to God, ourselves, and others. It is to be the source from which everything else flows. How do you view the gospel? Do you think of it about being the living, breathing word of God lived out through you and me, or do you view it only as a way to get into heaven? Do you think of the gospel about being the source for living on mission? If you believe that Jesus was sent to die on the cross for your sins as a way to reunite with God in heaven, that is true, and we always rejoice in that but it should drastically change everything about who you are as a person. That's the power of the gospel. Living on mission is more about the why than the how. You will never find happiness in serving if you're not first joyful in the Lord. Because people will let you down. (laughs) Ministry leaders will let you down. 
Other people will let you down. You will let yourself down. You will never find eternal joy in being happy for a moment. Your source for living, your source of joy is the gospel and is only the gospel. Living on mission is more about the why than the how. Have you lost your joy for the gospel? Have you lost your joy in serving? And have you lost your joy for living on mission? Maybe it's time to get back to the gospel and ask yourself, am I joyful that I get to do the work of Jesus? Living on mission is more about the why than the how. I wanna read some of 1 Corinthians 13 for you. Uh, starting in verse one, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at a wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We are not at a wedding. If we want to live on mission, we have to love on mission. I know this is one of the most used sections of scriptures when it comes to weddings, uh, and rightfully so. But Paul's original intent of chapter 13 was not married couples or couples seeking to be married. He was actually continuing on from chapter 12. At the beginning of chapter 12, he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. And he never used another transition statement like that between the two chapters. So it's not that we take this chapter out of context when using it for a wedding, uh, because we should love our spouses in this way, and we should love everyone in this way but it was meant for how we are supposed to love one another as a body of Christ through our spiritual gifts. Love itself is a spiritual gift. It's a fruit of the spirit. Loving someone else is supposed to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. This is what true love looks like, not only for your spouse, but for your brothers and sisters in Christ that have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Tim said it this, week, uh, this way last week. He said, an individual confession with a communal responsibility. He was talking about the church and the makeup of the church. He was talking about what binds us together is not our job, our location, or even going to the same church. What binds us together is that we all call Jesus Lord and that we've all made that same confession, acknowledging that we have the same mission. And I would add to it that we all have individual gifts and a communal responsibility to love. We all have individual gifts and a communal responsibility to love. It's so easy to get caught up in wrong motivations for why we do the things that we do, though. We've all done it. Uh, it's so easy for me to take credit uh, for abilities that God has given me, maybe to edit a video or capture a story or whatever else I do, because I love recognition just as much as the next person. I mean, who doesn't love recognized for, for doing a good job? But if I'm, in, if I'm constantly looking for the approval of someone telling me good job, it's going to be a long career, no matter what job I'm in. When Paul is talking about love here in this chapter, he is saying that love 
is our motivation for being on mission and using our gifts. If I start doing things to be recognized for my own sake and not out of love for the mission and other people, my gifts mean absolutely nothing. Literally, Paul says without love, our gifts are noisy gongs. Friends, I want to tell you that no matter, no amount of man's praise or recognition for what you do here will satisfy you and bring you eternal joy. When our motivation for using our gifts is to seek our own praise, it may bring momentary happiness, but it will not bring eternal joy. My motivation for using my gifts has to be and can only be love for the mission of Jesus. If it's anything else but that, I'm not living out a mission. I'm living out my own agenda. When you're serving here at Grace, when you're serving out in the community, I pray that you serve not because of a ministry leader or to get recognized, but because you have true joy that you found in the gospel. When those gifts found in each person are being fulfilled out of love for the gospel and joy, not happiness, that's when the church is at its best. I want to end uh, with this. We have electricians that run sound to help people hear the message of Jesus. We have teachers that sing and guide people to truths about Jesus found in songs. We have farmers that lead small groups to help people understand the word and Jesus better. We have students serving all over the church to serve like Jesus did. The church is full of everyday people using their gifts and their passions to serve and helping people come into a relationship and learn more about Jesus. Our mission as a church without love is nothing. Me knowing my gifts and being a follower of Jesus means nothing if I do not love. No amount of trying to be better at our mission will do anything if we don't first love Jesus and what he did for the cross on, for us. Let me say this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer one more time. The church is only the church when it exists for others. So listen for your mission, live on mission, and love on mission.